You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Oh my god! Oh my god! Running around like a madman. What are you doing? doing? I'm, I'm driving people around. It's Austin City Limits. Wait, so I'm, you're, you're like that? What's that? That drive guy? Yeah, I'm uh, the drive guy. Yeah, I'm okay. like I'm like I'm you know girl. Well, you know, you're me, also wearing me. that that stupid uh, jacket too. Like it's it's not that cold. Well, it's yeah, it's like Austin. It's like 97 degrees. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, that, I think that's your real problem. You think it might be, or it's that you're not loaded while driving. Wow, never thought about it that mm-hmm. way. You are wise. I am. <laughs> Thank you, Master. Now, may we go ahead and talk about movies like we planned? We shall. But first, beer. Man, I don't know why I make that sound before I drink beer. It's just it's weird. I've been doing it for years. Confusing me. I thought something had gone wrong. <laughs> It's the Chris and Joe Week Show. Hello. And we've got lots of stuff to talk about this week. First off, thank you to all you subscribers out there. Really, seriously, like, having subscribers is the only thing that keeps the site going on the whole. I mean, it is the bulk of the money that goes support all the bandwidth, which is super expensive. You guys, even if you're like, I don't know, I even have time to listen to any extra podcasts right now, which are what you get from being a subscriber you're paying for these podcasts because if we didn't have enough, if we don't have continuing building subscribers, I can't afford to keep the site running. The shareholders will not stand for it if we don't have building subscribers. So please, please get a subscriber account. There's four different levels. Everything helps. I can't tell you how much uh, I appreciate it. Also, another secondary but distant second, to be fair, uh, (laughs) uh, thing that we get money from is the Amazon links. All the images of movies and TV shows we talk about this week, you'll see images of them on the actual page if you click on those and buy that movie or in fact buy anything else on amazon starting from that link we get a kickback and that builds up so like especially if you're like you know what i'm gonna buy a new washing machine do it on amazon through one of our links i'm just gonna warn you though i went and got some online glasses prescription type mind you mm-hmm. through zenny.com tried to type in one of us in the promo code didn't work Try to type. No, you got to start from one of our links. Uh oh. Yeah. So there's no. Not, promo- it's not a promo code. No, as long oh. as you click on one of See, our links. I did it wrong. I should have just clicked on a link. Yeah, you click on any link. Once you're on Amazon from that link page, no matter where you go on Amazon from there, uh-huh. as long as you're in that window that yeah. you open from it, mm-hmm. you, we get a kickback from. Okay, you get. so then I'm the asshole. Yep. <laughs> what else is no? You're not an asshole. I was gonna say the reviews were new. That's true. And let's do those new reviews okay. with the reviews. Reviews. And we're going to start off with a uh, kind of a, a odd choice. Um, I, I was really surprised that this was getting released considering on Blu-ray with like a pristine, lots of extra features, mm-hmm. totally mm-hmm. remastered. Because it's a Western from 1954 I never even heard of. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, called, with a terrible name. <laughs> uh, I mean, really, just a bad name called Johnny Guitar. Well, to be fair, Johnny Logan was just not going to play. Uh, no. Um, it was like the film director Nicholas Ray made right before he made uh, uh, Rebel Without a Cause. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, which, of course, is his defining Right. Best known film. 
Uh, and at the time this movie came out, it was widely disdained. And it's not really surprising when you watch it yeah, now. Because it's, it's pretty out there. It predates most of the – it predates the darkness westerns that mm. started coming out. Like so many of the, the so-called existential westerns. It's, well, there's also a lot of like just surreal scenes in it where, mm-hmm. where like they would be great in like some other mindfuck movie. But yeah. they're just placed in a regular western. And it's also really the first – like feminist western, I suppose. I mean, it's weird to even throw that at it because really, it's just androgyny. Um, the main character is not the titular Johnny Guitar. Nope. It's Joan Crawford, and I believe her only western experience. Well, that's not feminism so much as Joan Crawford. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, she comes on and she's just like, "I own this bitch," and yeah. she is defining. She defines this film and is definitely the main character of it. Who every male character in the whole thing is either completely beholden and afraid, like hell of her or of her nemesis played by Mercedes McCambridge mm-hmm. who is a townsperson who has decided that she is absolutely evil and the saloon casino she runs is a source of evil and we should just kill her man uh, I don't mean to tell tales but that lady had her hair dyed it was roll <laughs> obvious I, I think that's true <laughs> Um, and she, she, she's the other side where all the men in town are scared to hell of her mm-hmm. and just do whatever she says, you know? She's like, say what? And they're like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, they definitely wear the pants in this Western. And it's interesting that, like, the, the whole setup is ultimately about, like, these townspeople don't want this casino here, which is building a sort of new mini town because it's attracted the railroad to go through it. Instead of a part of town, they would rather the railroad go through. So they're trying everything they can think of to get this thing shut down. But this one main character who hates her so much has convinced herself she has a moral reason for doing so, even though her secondary reason is she's got a crush on the guy that's got a crush on Joan Crawford. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Women, am I right, fellas? (laughs) Um, you're killing me the dancing kid which is the worst cowboy name ever you know i mean but he was hunky yeah no he's a good looking guy even though joan crawford's like look i'm just not into it dude i don't know tell you (laughs) i don't want you uh and then her old flame shows up in town johnny guitar played by sterling hayden who is like uh yeah sorry i was gone for a while and all that but uh you called me and i'm here now what do you need and uh He's like, sorry, I don't kill people anymore. I don't use guns. Because he was gun crazy. Yeah, apparently because he had an issue. <laughs> he was addicted. Which it was is like Reaper of, Madness. Yeah, it's part of why they broke up. Because he was like, he couldn't stop shooting everyone. And we all have those problems. I, and then, of course, you've got, it's a Western, so Ernest Borgnine and John Carradine are here, well, sure, too. sure, they got to be. Yeah, there. you know, playing, like, Carradine playing a very, you know, the likable head bartender at John Crawford's <laughs> saloon, which is weird because he's usually playing the crazed scientist or something yeah. like that. And, and, and Borgnine playing a piece of shit. Yeah, a flunky <laughs> piece of shit, yeah. Um, but I gotta say, I actually really enjoyed this because it kept surprising me with where it was going. It's certainly not action-packed like Westerns before this were. It's not mm-hmm. Black Hat versus White Hat. But there's just a lot of beneath-the-surface stuff going on here I found fascinating, and I thought the cinematography was just gorgeous. I thought the the, the punch-up on it uh, visually was kind of a bad move mm-hmm. because it's so clear. You just see every grain of film, which some people may like, but then it's like, oh, that matte painting looks way worse now. <laughs> well, that's that's true in almost across the board for like films you go back this far mm. when they fix well, it up like I'm that. Well, I'm just saying, didn't, wasn't a fan of it. You're like, oh, look at that zit on Joan Crawford. Ew. It takes me out of it. <laughs> um, but they certainly, you know, I mean, I've had that same reaction, but this is as 
as close to what the original film would have looked like in perfect condition as mm. possible. So it's like, okay, fair enough. Um, a lot of special features on this thing, including Martin Scorsese filming an introduction to it uh, and why it's important to him. Uh, there's a, a Johnny Guitar Western like no other featurette with some uh, film critics discussing uh, the qualities of the film, its lasting appeal, and the influence it's had. Uh, there's one, a feminist Western, which uh, same critics look at its feminist overtones. There's one that is uh, a the blacklist history of Johnny Guitar that uh, apparently this was actually written by a guy who was blacklisted and then Uh-oh. kind of another guy's like yeah, yeah you, it was, you it put was it under my Trumbo? name it wasn't Dalton Trumbo <laughs> no 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 it was uh, Walter Bernstein um uh there's uh the tr- Herbert J Yates and the truth st- and the story of Republic Pictures which uh they look at the history of like you know when this was coming out and what the other films Republic was putting out what their hits and misses were audio commentary with a film critic on it uh my friend the American friend that looks at the last days of Nicola director Nicholas Ray uh there's a the first existential western which is a essay by a critic about that subject and then a booklet um Pretty cool package considering this isn't Criterion putting this thing out. Yeah. Yeah. I I was like really surprised um, that this was getting from Olive Films who traditionally, they they pick good films to re-release, but they do bare bones as shit Yeah, yeah. This was like an Olive Select or something. Yeah. I think it was like a Black Olive or Kalamata. Kalamata Olive? Well, I'm just trying to figure out what they they should call their select line. Yeah, that's true. They should have something more. Yeah, yeah, Kalamata yeah. is actually a great nut choice for that. It should a, do that. It's a delicious choice. You listening, Olive? I'm just saying. Yeah, five bucks. That's all I'm charging. <laughs> uh, next up, we're moving into horror, which we had quite a, quite a bit of this week. And first up is the what I would call the first decent Wes Craven film, because uh, I'm not a big fan of Last House on the Left. <laughs> um, but The Hills Have Eyes, the 1977 film. Now, many have pointed out that they really think the remake actually is superior. I'm not one of those people. The remake's okay, but it seemed like a pretty typical Platinum Dunes horror remake. Yeah, I would me. say it is, uh, because personally, I love the original. Just love it, you know, as a kid, just watching it, like, oh my God. You know, rewatching, it's like, Wow, this is awesome in spite of it being shitty. <laughs> That's the thing. Is like I don't think the remake is scary partially because it doesn't have that shittiness. It's too calculated. <laughs> There's something about the total rough edges of this thing and how like, you know, like filming on a on a shoestring budget and by the seat of your pants that makes it feel somehow more real. More, uh, more like know. disturbing. I think, I think, I think we're, we're taking different things away from this. Well, I just, it's this family, uh, like, I, I feel like these rednecks who are coming at them are, are like more real than the rednecks that are in the remake, <laughs> which they kind of <laughs> almost turn into like nuclear zombies or something. Well, like. I mean, part of that, like, uh, uh, John Berryman, uh, Michael Berryman, Michael Berryman, uh, like, he was born with 27, uh, unique birth defects. Like, they, they just, they they were picking people who looked super messed up. He, yeah, he's you know what I, I actually hadn't seen this film for years and uh, um, I actually saw Weird Science before this. So mm-hmm. I remember first time seeing this, going, "Hey, it's a guy from Weird Science <laughs> who is par- playing a role parodying his role from The Hills Have Eyes." Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's this family that's who uh, their their caravan uh, gets stuck in the middle of the desert, and then they are hunted down by a family of cannibalistic rednecks who live out there. Which is the plot is just that simple yeah you know yeah, um, it but it goes places you're like oh no you did not just do that um mm-hmm. but not to the extent of stuff like last house on the left where it just over glories in its moments of like 
gore and torture porn almost. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this this definitely won't uh, pass the the Salisbury test. No, it will not. That's <laughs> for sure. But I I actually really did enjoy this. I I I at first thought I hadn't seen it at all before. Then it was pointed out to me I had, but it was just so long ago I didn't mm-hmm. remember. Um, and I think I I must like it better now than I did then because it I'm, makes more of an impact. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, it's and it's Arrow Films re-releasing this thing, which is you know those guys they they pick stuff they love and don't fuck around <laughs> at all with what they're what they're going to do with it. Um, and it's a pretty it's about as good a fix up as you could possibly get with mm-hmm. something filmed on like really cheap film stock that probably wasn't kept very well. Uh, it still looks like shit. <laughs> it's just as good as shit can look in terms of like, that quality. Um, but perhaps that's part of why it still works. Part of it, yeah. You know, that that weird shitty looks like maybe you found this in an attic somewhere and maybe the sinister guy is going to pop up in it somewhere? Oh, no, I mean, it, it totally looks like a, a spruced up version of Manos the Hands of Fate as far as film quality goes. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. Uh, most of the supplements are uh, ported over from previous releases, so if you did not... Um, if you didn't have that, which you probably didn't, um, that's all going to be here too. But there's new stuff on here as well, like uh, interviews with some of the characters, uh, trying being funny about it, photos, a repro poster that comes with it, uh, and then there's an alternate ending that there's absolutely no reason to watch. No, no, yeah. not at all. In fact, you should skip it. It doesn't adds barely anything. It's just a little coda, but it's a coda of people like being happy and celebrating. Yeah, just like gives why a shit. would they be happy and celebrating? <laughs> there's like, yay, we won, but on the other hand, <laughs> <laughs> the price we pay. Yeah, exactly. Not really a you know go paint your face and support your team type of moment. I would definitely say people should watch it. Yeah. Uh, next up is one you did not get a chance to watch. No. Which is Meat. Uh, this is actually a older film from 2010, a Dutch drama thriller that apparently just didn't get a distribution at the time, but someone at Artsploitation Films was remembering it fondly because they decided <laughs> to put it out, and boy, if there was ever an Artsploitation Films, uh, like, brand of movie, mm-hmm. this is it. Um, there's, I don't... I don't know. It's one of those like, hey, this is your sort of thing. More power to you. It's not my sort of thing. Uh, but it's not terrible. It just doesn't make much sense. It's this blonde. It's this, it starts at a butcher shop, and uh, there's a young blonde woman, like good looking lady, who works there with the older fifty something guy who's kind, who's constantly hitting on her. You know, like Gross. not just hitting, but like putting his head on her shoulder and grabbing her boobs and talking at length about what he'd sexually do to her while she acts like nothing's happening. Is he running for president? Boom! Right. Uh, and meanwhile, his wife is just, apparently they have an open relationship or something. Cause he's just, she's just fucking everyone who comes in there <laughs> right in front of him. You're like, what is going on in this movie? And, uh, then it turns out like, oh, in fact, this younger girl, you thought it was just like, like this creepy thing where he was sexually harassing her. No, they've actually been having sex. We just don't see it till a certain point, Oh yeah, but exactly. they have been. But then like the first time we actually see it, including the, the classic, who doesn't want to see a girl peeing on a guy in the middle of a sex scene. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty graphic for the record. He dies of a heart attack. Uh-huh. So you're like, okay, we're not, we can't even be halfway through the film. And it switches to there happens to be a police detective played by the same actor who everyone's like, wow, you look exactly like that guy who gets involved. And from there, the movie takes lots of acid, and I don't know what happened after okay. that. It just goes kind of batshit crazy. Now, a lot of people in the sort of art horror community really like this film a lot. Um, I, 
it's one of those like, hey, it's all about the the metaphors, the visual metaphors. I'm like, well, I don't know what they were. <laughs> I know there was a. I know I wanted uh, to go eat a steak afterwards because there's a lot of meat being cut up in a butcher shop. I'm like, ooh, that oh, looks yeah. tasty. Nice I like a good cut of something. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But uh, I. But then again, it's, <laughs> it's just because you don't know the Dutch. I don't know. It's a weird fucking film. It's kind of bloody at points. It's, I mean, it definitely has its gory moments. It has some graphic sex scenes. And it's odd as shit. If that sounds like your sort of thing, then meat being distributed by Arsploitation Films is your thing. Uh, next up is actually one of my favorite films this week, which surprised me because I really was expecting just to watch this and go, yeah, it's okay. It's like, uh, oh, Gossip Girl, what's going on now? <laughs> it's The Shallows. I didn't get to see this when it came out in the theater. Uh, and yeah, I was kind of sad I didn't get to after watching it. Well, yeah, because it was like, I mean, I thought this was a genuinely scary film. Well, I just thought it was beautiful. It's beautifully shot, yeah. Uh, but sharks are like my nemesis. Like, I'm like, anything with a shark, I'm like, oh, I'm nervous now. Oh, okay, I got yeah. you. you got Except shark for Sharknado. Right, right. Yeah. right. It's just ripping off the Band-Aid at that point. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is by director, uh, how is it, Haume? 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 Sarah? Um, a Spanish film director who did the remake of House of Wax. He did Orphan. He did Unknown, Nonstop, and Run All Night. I didn't like any of those films. No. <laughs> at all. And yet The Shallows, 90% of it really has its shit together with Blake Lively, an actress who's never particularly appealed to me either, like carrying the show really well, all but single-handed. My favorite parts were when she wasn't <laughs> speaking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's not through a lot of this. She basically, she's a surfer. She has gone out to a place where her her mom had this transcendent experience when she was younger, found the secret beach, mm. you know, out on an island somewhere. And she, so she's found it. And there's like hardly anybody there. I mean, there's like two other dudes there. And uh, she's like... Well, this is it. I'm going to have this experience. I'm going to surf out here because it's bringing me closer to my now dead mom. mom. Um, and uh, she's out there and she sees a giant whale that's dead and sitting there floating in the water. It's got pieces cut coming out of it. And then she sees a big ass motherfucking shark and goes, oh, shit. She <laughs> finds a little a rock that's there because it's, it's uh, what is it, low tide or high tide? It was low tide. Low tide. Uh, and she's like, fuck, the shark is like not fucking around. The mm. shark is hungry. In fact, it starts. It took a nibble. Anyone else who comes anywhere near that area, that shark is is on that shit fast. So most of the film is really her trying to figure out what the fuck am I going to do? Cause this rock is only going to be here for another, what, eight hours or something mm -hmm, before mm -hmm. it's totally underwater. And I got to figure out something cause this shark has made it clear. He ain't going nowhere. He knows exactly. Yeah, where that I was am. the super ridiculous part. But once you get past that, then it's just like, ooh, she's using her brains to get over things. I mean, you definitely have to suspend your disbelief in the third act from this. I mean, there's some stuff that was like, it made me laugh. I was having fun, though. You know, mm -hmm. it was like, okay, that's ridiculous, but it's fun to watch. I mean, the actual how she, you know, what happens at the end was like, oh, no, that was ridiculous. Yeah. It's so <laughs> ridiculous, but it was like, it was at the same time, I was like, yeah, that's cool, though. You know? <laughs> it would have been great, though, if at the end she died of the bends. No, that would have been, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would have been, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, uh, I hate to tell you, but that's probably not going to work out so well for you. Uh, but I really do recommend this, though. You've got to have that sort of like, okay, grain of salt but it's fun and she has a little bird sidekick yes she does she, has she a, actually she has plays a, against her little wilbur you know <laughs> that she has a relationship with this little seagull that injures its wing and can't get off the rock either uh 
I don't know. I, re- I really did en- enjoy the hell out of this thing. And if you avoided it because it looked like just another bad horror film, uh, it's better than that. Now, mind you, because of my girlfriend, I've seen all of Gossip Girl. So I should just want to shoot Blake Lively, or Blake Lively in the face. <laughs> and I wanted to, but it was my TV. So I, I held off at first. Nice. But then I decided not to because I liked him. Wait, is she a bad person on Gossip Girl or you just hate Gossip Girl? Uh... Well, I hate Gossip Girl, and she just adds nothing to the acting universe. Okay, fair enough. I've I've never anything I've seen her in. I've always been like I I find her sort of like Jessica Biel levels of bland and forgettable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know? like, like paint that hasn't dragged yet. Yeah, I'm like okay. I don't have anything specifically against her. I just don't have anything particularly for her either. Well, and she and she and Deadpool are, are divorcing, so oh. she doesn't have that protection. Well, because no more. you know now that he's got his his now that he's a bigger star, he's like okay, now I'm gonna shop around. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, even though he was already uh, married uh, to Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, yeah. I was, well, come on, <laughs> the guy's you're just making his way down the list. You yeah, know? I guess it's like, so. What's Johnny Depp's ex-wife doing over there? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this has got some a few deleted scenes. Uh, it's got well, I mean, mainly it's just a bunch of EPKs, but I mean they're uh, they're no better than any, any other EPKs yeah. like this. They don't not really going to give you any real information about. I mean, how really, this thing the movie made. itself is is enough to watch it. Yeah, yeah. I, and once again, I do recommend it. This is a fun movie. Halloween's coming up. It's a good choice for a nice creeper with your girlfriend or whatever yeah. or boyfriend, as the case may be. I don't really want to blow my load too early, but uh, this is actually my pick of the week. Wow. Yep. Heavy stuff, dude. Mm-hmm. Heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, moving on. Now i got to think about what my pick of the week is. Um, yeah. Actually, my pick of the week is Johnny Guitar. But <laughs> we'll go with the shallows on the sidebar because there's more chance people will buy that. Next up is a film a lot of people loved. I was not one of them. Oh, me too. Woohoo! <laughs> Fist bump. Bomb. The Neon Demon. I realize now... I am just not a big Nicholas Winding Refn fan. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like, yeah, I like Drive. I, I thought people were overreacting to it mm. in positivity. But you can see, like, okay, okay. The stuff I liked the best was the soundtrack and the lighting. But mm-hmm. overall, I was like, yeah, it was all right. I liked it. And then Only God Forgives, I was like, yeah, this isn't very good. <laughs> and then The Neon Demon, I was like, wow, I kind of actively hate this. Hey, guy, fuck you. I mean, I, it's all style. Mm-hmm. No substance. Oh, yeah. And all of the style is borrowed heavily from other people. Oh, shit, yes. There's nothing in here I felt like, well, that was original, which isn't necessary, necessary per se, mm-hmm. unless that's all you've got. I felt that way about, uh, in fact, this reminded me of it's at points, that movie Beyond the Black Rainbow. I don't know if you ever saw that no. one, but it was like... Two hours of nothing but like look at look at this. It looks like seventies science fiction films, mm-hmm. but with more of an industrial pounding beat. Okay, is something gonna happen though? Uh, Neon Demon follows Ellie Fanning, an actress I genuinely do like and think I, has I real talent. Don't. Really? No. Nope. She's got real talent. Uh, she's a 16-year-old aspiring model. She's just moved from Georgia to L.A. and lying about her age. Uh, right off the bat. Um, she gets spotted basically, uh, by Jenna Malone, who is a ma- experienced makeup artist, takes her to a party, introduces her to, uh, two more models, ab- played by Abby Lee and Bella Heathcote, who are kind of like, you'll be our friend, but we're also going to talk shit about you. But we're bitch. Um, uh, and, and more so when it, when much to their surprise, when uh, push comes to shove, like uh, this important modeling agency run by Christina Hendricks says, uh, yeah, you're going to be big and I'm going to take care of your career. And boy, you're going to be huge. This photographer, uh, uh, 
uh, is like, wow, you're the, like, you're, I'm obsessed with you. And the girls are kind of like, um, yeah, we didn't want you to be that successful. <laughs> and it sounds like it's going to go a, a more like, okay, straightforward way. But then it decides, no, this has to be a horror film yeah. with supernatural elements in it. So we're going to do that. That never really come together or explain themselves in any real way. No, I feel. Like, I why feel was like, there a cougar in her hotel? Room? Right, right. I, I felt like uh, at the end, uh, like like the, the writer was just gonna be like, "Well, it was all just a metaphor for for the fashion world and for life struggles in general." The only know? thing I really liked in here was watching Keanu Reeves playing a totally sleazy asshole hotel manager. Yeah, that was pretty because it was just so out of type for Keanu Reeves. <laughs> it was really fun watching him do it. But uh, other than that, I was like, I just. I mean, I get if this really, 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 if this were one of those people who were like, oh, man, I just loved it. It's like, okay, I know the stuff that you liked and responded to. I respond to that same type of stuff, too. But I guess I've seen so many movies that do this type of thing now that I'm like, no, I need more. I need more than <laughs> yeah. just that. Well, like like the, the, the main character girl, just like everybody's like, oh, my God. I just shit my pants. You're so beautiful. Like, no, she's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of surprised by that too. Because I, 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 like I said, I like Ellie Fanning as a, a as a actress, but like, and beauty is obviously in the eye of the beholder. But I was like, odd casting choice for that. Yeah. But I mean, the whole thing is seems to be make trying to make a statement about like a, a yet again about like oh, fashion is shallow and like oh, flesh and blah blah. Yeah, beauty like, and blah. Really, really. Really, showgirls did this, <laughs> and I hate to say it, but I like showgirls better. That's right, because they, they gave us Versace. <laughs> um, but I know you're out there, you people who are like, no, I don't care, I love this film. So for you, there is a audio commentary with the director and Ellie Fanning. There is a behind the soundtrack of Neon Demon, which is one of the better things about it. But mm-hmm. you know, but even then, like, yeah, we'll just watch Strange Stranger Things. Yeah, and that's about it. There's like a a, a very small EPK with a trailer with interview snippets from the cast and director, which is like okay. a minute long. <laughs> I don't even know why it's on there. So yeah, Neon Demon is uh, overrated shit. I yeah. think. Yeah, and I'm gonna say like by comparison, a film that is definitely a shitty film is much more enjoyable than oh, that. Oh, hell yes. Which is 1988 Slugs, another Arrow Films uh, re-release. Slugs the movie. Slugs the movie, uh, <laughs> which is the small town gets attacked by, like, you know, not giant, but, you know, as big as your finger-sized black slugs. Uh, with attitude. You know, with, well, with, with teeth. Yeah. Which, apparently, they're because I stopped the movie, I was like, okay, hold on, and said, card Googled carnivorous slugs. Turns out there's a shit ton of carnivorous yeah. slugs that actually do, will eat squirrels and mm-hmm. shit. That's why I punch every like, slug I see. That's, you should. They're dangerous. They don't just eat your garden up. Mm-mm. They will kill your ass. Well, not humans so far, but well, and these, these do, and which makes no sense only in the context that pretty sure they can't move fast enough to be a threat. <laughs> like, in here, they're like, you know, one scene, they're nowhere... 30 seconds later, there's thousands of them in the the room. And you're like, what are these? Do they have roller skates? Maybe. What is going on? Well, rollerblades. It was the late 80s. Uh, But, but yeah, uh, this is a really corny film that knows exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. It has a sort of tongue-in-cheek enviro message to it. but (laughs) Kind of. But ultimately, it's just to have fun and have some surprisingly well-done gore scenes. Yeah. Um, yeah, lots of cuteness for slug damage. Yes, and the slugs themselves are ooky, and clearly, like, whenever they could, they used real slugs, which are just 
I'm slugs are just <laughs> they don't scare me. They're just so gross. They make me nauseous. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to touch them. They're so disgusting. Uh, and so yeah, there's lots of like turn your stomach type visuals in here with stuff like that. Uh, but once again, they fixed it up as best as it could possibly be, and have added a few uh, interviews with a special effects supervisor, with the director, uh, and then the production manager on here, and then the horror uh, the author of it, Sean Hudson, uh, does a commentary track along with uh, another track with the writer from Fangoria, Chris Alexander. So it's actually a pretty decent set for a film that never expected to get a Blu-ray release. I do want to know what the author thought, how they treated the the, the material. Did you think you, that the slugs were yeah. well treated? Were did, they working for scale? Did, did it did it really say what you wanted to about the slug experience? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't. That's about it for slug experience. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever said the slug experience before. Now, yeah, they slug around. Uh, next up, one of my favorites this week, uh, and if not for Johnny Guitar, it would have been my pick, is Hunt for the Wilder People. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of director Taika Waititi, who did uh, recently the much ballyhooed uh, What We Do in the Shadows yes, yes. comedy about a bunch of vampires and living their life and just trying to be left alone, but they also agree to have a documentary made about them. Well, so, you know, they need exposure. Totally great. Did you see this, the story where they're doing a TV spinoff now about the two cops that appear at one point where mm-hmm. they're psychic investigation special unit Ooh. or paranormal investigation special unit where they, they're like, they're also just bored cops because paranormal shit happens all over the place. <laughs> and they're like, look, can you keep it down? You know, that, that type of thing, but showing up at like mummy parties and shit, you know, nice. I'm like, I will watch the fuck out of that TV <laughs> show. But uh, yeah, Hunt for the Wilder People, the next film after that, done by Taika Waititi, that couldn't be more subject-wise more different. Or town-wise. Yeah. Uh, although, uh, there are definitely a lot of comedy moments that you can tell there's there's some, uh, you know, it's the same writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, relative newcomer, although I believe he's been in one big film before, Julian Dennison. It's a little fat kid named Ricky Baker. He's like... City kid into the gangster lifestyle, but nobody wants to keep him in in foster care. So welfare services sent him out to the country to live with Aunt Bella, who is not going to be fucked with. Uh, played by Rima T. Wiata, who if I, not, yeah, I, I'm like I've seen her in something else, and I yeah, couldn't put I had together. That too. She's kind of like the. Uh, uh, what's her name from Misery? Um, Kathy Bates. Yeah, she's like like a like a, a New Zealand Maori Kathy Bates. Huh. That's what where what I came with, with, and she's like one of those. She's done this before. It seems like she's like okay, psh, the kid's gonna you are gonna love me, kid. Well, the, but only yeah. under my rules. Well, the beauty of it was she was a, <coughs> a take no shit, but not in a menacing way. At no, all. no, she's like it's not long before the kid has you realize Ricky. Is happy here. Mm-hmm. Genuinely, like, has grown to care for this woman. Is actually kind of enjoying the country life. Uh, has all that stuff that meant more be- to him before seems distant, and far away. But he's kind of curious about Uncle Heck, who is her uh, husband, played by Sam Neill. And uh, they obviously aren't what you would call close, but he's he's become more tolerant of the situation. But then. Aunt Bella dies unexpectedly. Sam Neill and Ricky Baker are thrown together, and Sam Neill is like, look, um, I can't take care of you, so we're going to call foster services out to come get you. But uh, Ricky runs away into the jungle, into the outback, and Sam, in following him, you know, the kid gets pretty far before he finds him, and then he screws up his ankle. He's like, well, it looks like we're going to have to camp here for a couple weeks until I can walk again, because you can't 
take me back and you can't get back without me. And then everyone decides that this old crazy old man has kidnapped this kid <laughs> and is abusing him. And it turns into a weird comedy where these two bond on the run together. Yeah. You know, and it's it's really fun. They have great chemistry together. They do. It it, it seems forced as it should be at the beginning and then it, yeah. it doesn't seem forced at the end. No, it's very awkward at the beginning because, yeah, as you said, as it should be, because you should feel awkward about the whole situation. Mm. And then at the end, you're like, oh, you guys hug. Oh, so sweet. Uh, uh, Reese Darby has a brief role in here, but very funny one as a uh, like, crazy guy. Um, as does, uh, am I thinking of somebody else? No, I was thinking of Reese Darby. Yeah, he's the guy out in the woods who's like the survivalist guy they come across, <laughs> who's, who's a riot. Man, I really, really, if you, I, yeah, I know that a lot of people were like, eh, I'm going to watch some stupid, like, stepfather son bonding film. Honestly, you're going to have a good time with this. Yeah. It's not as, as, like, it's not saccharine at all. No. And stop being a piece of shit. Watch it. <laughs> stop being a piece of shit. What is wrong with you people? What do you, all you want to do is watch films about carnivorous slugs? Come on. Move on. Pick something else. Uh, yeah, there's audio commentary with Taika Waititi, and then uh, Skype connection uh, joined Sam Neill, first half Julian Dennison for the second. Um, there's a behind-the-scenes, like, EPK, and then a very short blooper reel. But either way, regardless of bonus features, this is... A totally solid film. I know I will be returning to it sometime. Yeah, just watch it, people. Yeah, just watch it. Uh, next up is a film I also did not get to see when it released because it aired, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this actually played the same time as Hunt for the Wilder People. Mm-hmm. And I chose to see Hunt for the Wilder People when everybody else chose to see That's Warcraft. That's a poor choice. Uh, and, uh, like, yeah, Warcraft is not as good a movie as Hunt for the Wilder People. No, not, not nearly. Uh, but that being said... I think that it has gotten more negative response than it necessarily deserves. And I think not enough. <laughs> uh, this is the third film by Duncan Jones, David Bowie's kid, who made the a well-celebrated uh, Moon and Source Code. Mm. Uh, two films I personally find to be excellent. Really surprised he even wanted to do a Warcraft movie. Maybe he played it a lot? I don't know. No, he did. He was really into the game. But even so, you're like... Dude, that's like a year and a half, two years of your life right there dedicated to something that they're not going to give you enough money to do properly. And, you know, and they didn't. Looking at this, you're like, I don't know where the $160 million went, but it wasn't into making sure the effects were convincing. A big part of the problem was they decided to have the, like, half-work girl be an actual person. And interacting with the fully CGI orcs. Well, that's, and that was super shitty. Yeah, it's like almost a, a reverse uh, Uncanny Valley, you know? Because <laughs> yeah. it's like every almost all the all the other orcs are completely CG, except for Paula Patton, who everyone, every once in a while they do little touch-up CG on her. But she's like half-orc, so it's like, okay, well, I guess she could be a human with tusks, which is which okay. Which is exactly what she was. <laughs> um... And yeah, she spent so much time with these other orcs, it just points out how, like, who look like her, which, you know, designed her skin color and her tusks and everything. She's supposed to look like her, but if she was more human, which only calls up the fact how unhuman these, how fake these guys actually Mm -hmm. look. And I mean, that's far from the only CG error going on here. I didn't mind the CG errors as much as the (coughs) fucking everything else. Yeah? (laughs) Well, go into detail. Well, horrible writing, just super lazy. Uh, really bad acting. Um, 
just no reason for this movie to exist at all, considering Blizzard does their own CG shorts for Warcraft. Mm-hmm. And they're a lot more entertaining than this horse crap, because it's clear that it's like, we're trying to set up a franchise. Oh, yeah. Well, it ends on a sort of, like, part one. It's like, why don't you just send the fucking hobbits off to, like, find the one ring and, like, say, <laughs> okay, we'll see you in two years. Pretty much. Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, I certainly agree with you. Like, it was... It was really strange they didn't consider reshoots to give this a different ending than the one after they saw what they – after they tested it. Mm. They should have gone like, fuck, we need to give this thing a real ending because we're not going to get a chance to come back and make a second (laughs) film. Which they are not. It would be very surprising to me despite the high receipts in Japan and China if they got a chance to do that. Um, and I agree with you that most of the acting is pretty bad. It's really it's, bad. Which is surprising, as Jones has proven to be so good with actors, and there's some people here who are pretty good. Ben Foster, Dominic Cooper, to- uh, Toby Cabell, Paula Patton. I mean, I've seen them in a lot of stuff where they're great, but not so much here. Uh, I, I would say the orcs are actually better actors than the humans yes. are. Yes, they are. Oh, um, I didn't realize that Clancy was uh, Clancy Brown. Guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Daniel Wu. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean Ruth Neg is in this, who is great. But here she just like she is directed like George Lucas is directing her from the, from the <laughs> yeah. like she's just like I'm gonna have no emotions. I think that was, that was what, one of my big problems. Like the Guardian guy was, <coughs> he could not give less of a shit to be in this movie. Just like oh, I'm like. Guardian, I do magic things. Yeah, it was, it's know. weird. Like, they're like, oh, the Guardian will save us, the Guardian. And it's just a fucking high-level magic user. <laughs> I was expecting, like, some crazy god or something. Yeah, yeah semi-elemental. It's, yeah, it's, it's Ben Foster with a weird hat, you know? <laughs> like, okay, that was underwhelming. Especially considering, like, you know, one of the main characters is, uh, like, a young kid who's like, oh, uh, I want to come in here and be helpful, played by Ben Sch- Schnetzer, Cadgar, who's like... Like, before the end of the movie, he's pretty much doing all the same shit the Guardian can do. And yeah, you're he's like, shit-stopping people with magic. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, so what exactly is so special about the Guardian other than that he gets to live in the cool library? That's it. I, he's I, got his own jacuzzi. But I, I will disagree about the script. I actually thought there was some pretty clever stuff going on in the script. Uh, and in terms of pacing, I had a lot of fun with this. Whoa. I thought it moved super fast. Um, I was curious to know what was going to happen. I mean, it. I would put it on the same level as, say... Mortal, the first Mortal Kombat of Resident Evil, where it's an almost ran, where it's like there's there are some things that no, were tweaked not, and it's fixed. It's not that good. No, it's not that good. No, no. Like even even like with the the main character guy, like who's of a really ambiguous age, who has a fully grown son. That you know, yeah, yeah. And then like, oh, my wife died. No, love my son. Uh, hey, this half orc lady. Uh, I know we just looked at each other, but we should fuck. Yeah, yeah, they they get into each other super fast. That's uh, Travis Fimmel for for the record, uh, who plays uh, Ragnar in Vikings, the mm. History Channel show, mm. which is actually a really good show, and he's really good on it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I can't blame you, or even there's no point in arguing at length the merits or lack thereof <laughs> of Warcraft. I had fun with it despite its massive and deep flaws. I thought it was enjoyable as opposed to 99% of the video game movies out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I can totally see why you were like just wanting to watch this thing burn. <laughs> I, I get it. It's not in competition for my pick of the week, so no worries. Uh, there's 14 minutes of deleted extended scenes, a three and a half minute gag reel, a six part featurette called The World of Warcraft on Film, which ultimately is not actually that long. Uh, the fandom of Warcraft, which looks at all the fans of like uh, the game, of which there are clearly yeah, many. Let's repeat the game. Yeah, 
there's Bronze of Brotherhood Brotherhood Motion Comic, which is, you know, just a motion comic that's another tale from the Warcraft universe. There's the Madame Tussauds experience, which look at, uh, like wax figures of the characters in the film. Woo-hoo. There's ILM behind the magic of Warcraft, which looks at special effects. And that's about it. So there you go. That's Warcraft. Either you want it or you could care less and you'll forget it was ever made. Yeah. I think Joe will fall into the last. Do that. that. Uh, another film you did not get to see was Complete Unknown. Uh, not going to talk too much on this one. I actually had reasonable expectations from this one because it's from director Joshua Marston who did that film Maria Full of Grace that was received with much aplomb mm-hmm. when it came out. Uh, excellent film. Totally worth your time. Uh, as well as The Forgiveness of Blood, which I don't believe I saw but was well thought of. And this having uh, Rachel Weisz and Michael Shannon as the two main characters, both actors I adore. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. what is going on? I'm She's watching that mummy this. Chick, right? <laughs> Will she ever live down that mummy chick? Brendan Fraser didn't. <laughs> no, nor should he have. Uh, basically, Michael Shannon is married. He lives a, a pleasant enough suburban experience. Uh, his wife wants to move uh, for a graduate pr- program. Most of this takes place at a birthday dinner party for him. And uh, a friend shows up with a date, played by Rachel Weiss, who starts telling everyone about how, like – her life as a uh, in investigating frogs and amphibians and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like is, a herpetologist? Yeah, or yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she studies herpes. Um, no, I don't think so. No, I mean, Maybe that's... Is that where you get herpes that's, from? That's frogs? more like a gnosis of, of herpes. <laughs> um, and starts as she's going along talking about how she has just moved on in her life from one thing to another and changed her identity to become different people mm-hmm. because she was just tired of being who she was. And everyone starts to get just kind of horrified. <laughs> like, cause they're like, how do you do that? You hurt people by doing that. And then suddenly Michael Shannon pulls her aside. He's like, why didn't you tell me you were alive? And you're like, Oh shit. Oh, it's snap. like, they were old boyfriend, girlfriend a long time uh, ago. And, just, and what seems like just a weird coincidence are showing up at the party. Turns out, no, for the first time she actually had a hanker into reconnect with a former life. Do, do they have kisses? No. Oh. But they do have a long conversation and walk as she tries to explain to him, you know, her point of view of why she's chosen to live this way. Like, mm-hmm. every couple of years. Well, I mean, she's not at hurting anyone, like, physically. She just, like, decides, she's like, well, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm stressing out. Mm-hmm. So she create finds and creates a new identity, goes to some other place completely, and starts over again. You know, just disappears. She could just try hobbies. Yeah, exactly. And he's, like, trying to explain to her, well, why that hurts people and that's bad and it's bad for you. And along the way, she kind of makes – they both make their point to each other, mm-hmm. which is interesting to watch. But – the problem is the film has no decisions of its own to make, and it ends on a sort of, yeah, I don't know, sort of level. Yeah, shrug. Uh, whatever. See how this turns out in Warcraft 2. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, this just feels very unfinished. There's some interesting stuff here, and obviously decent, but not Michael Shannon typical performances. You okay. know? Like, you're not going to see him start screaming and making crazy Michael Shannon faces. Oh, yeah. boo. But it's all right. It has good parts, but overall, I say you can skip it. Uh, also, 
but just straight up skip is Central Intelligence. Oh, but I wanted to watch it. No, you didn't. Oh. No, it's bad. Well, the Rock. No, it's bad. He's box office MSG. It's bad, okay? Oh, Kevin Hart's funny. White kids love him. No. Hmm. Well, they do, but that's their problem. <laughs> uh, now, apparently, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, and Kevin Hart are like the best of friends yeah. in real life. They've decided they have tons of chemistry with, with each other because... Of this really awful fucking action comedy that the critics, the one nice thing the critics said about it is like, to be fair, they do have good chemistry together. So now they've planned like their next six <laughs> movies together. And you're like, guys, I mean, I'd rather see The Rock with Sean William Scott again, you know? Well, okay. Because they actually had good chemistry in a good movie with the rundown. Let's go ahead and just bring this out. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Johnson has gone full bore loco. Like... Starting up a beef with Vin Diesel on Furious Eight. That was weird, yeah. And they were family. Yeah. You know, like. From what I heard, that ended as soon as it started. Well, it better have. (laughs) But then also, his talking about, like, how he's going to vote for Trump. No, that was all bullshit. Talking about how he was, that was bullshit, but he's still going to vote for Trump. I don't think he did say that. (laughs) I'm just saying, we got to, we got to, we got to watch out for him. He might need an intervention. (laughs) He might, actually. He seems like he's a a little uncomfortably hyper these days. But that being said, He's even more uncomfortably hyper in this movie where he plays the former uh, high school total nerd that everyone picked on and abused, but the the high school senior who everybody loved, who was Kevin Hart, like he was a quarterback for the football team and what have you. It's like, wait, he's black, isn't he? <laughs> Sorry. It's, it, it, I would have gone with the running back because yeah. of the height. Uh, like everybody loved him. He was the golden jet. And he was like the one guy like at a terrible incident where everyone was laughing at Dwayne Johnson was like, hey, come on, fucking stop it. You know, he wasn't friends with the guy, but he was like, this is fucking kicking an animal when it's down. Stop yeah. that shit. So years later, he shows up in his life again where Kevin Hart is like now on, say so he works like, you know, a, a high school a high school quarterback. He's No, he is not. Well, he, no, what I'm saying, like the high school quarterback trajectory. Like, yeah, I'm he's an accountant. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, same difference, right? And he's like, keeps getting passed over for advancement, and he hates his life. Even though he's married to his high school sweetheart, who is really, really attractive, and, and uh, um, the Daniel Nicolette. But when Dwayne Johnson shows back up, he's not a big fat Samoan looking guy anymore. He's now the rock. He's mm-hmm. like, but he's still the same guy. He's like this huge nerd. He's got like a unicorns or magic t-shirt on, mm-hmm. you know, sounds, juxtaposition. Sounds like a funny setup, right? No, not really because they drive it into the fucking ground every oh. chance they get where he's like, look, he's still a big nerd, even though he's a badass action guy. And, uh, like, uh, Kevin Hart, you know, sees a, sees where he defends Kevin Hart for some redneck bullies in a bar with being ultra badass. Like, well, how'd you do that? Jay? Oh my god! Uh, and then it's revealed that okay, I actually work for the CIA. Um, uh, and then the CIA shows up and goes, "He doesn't actually work for us. He went rogue, and he's trying to sell satellite codes." Oh man! Guys. And then he's like, "No, no, they don't understand. Somebody else is trying to, and I'm trying to figure out who it is." And the whole time, Kevin Hart's like, "I don't know who to believe," but he actually genuinely likes The Rock and. A series of really, you know, modern comedy, American comedies do things where they do a, a, they're like, they have to throw in a Saturday Night Live set piece that has nothing to do with anything. Mm -hmm. There's like eight of those in here where you're like, why are they here? There's like a whole thing where he poses as their, like him and his wife's marriage uh, uh, therapist, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like couples therapist. You're like, what the fuck is going on right now? He was reprising his role as Nick Cottrell from Saturday Night Live. I I don't know, but it was not good. And it wasn't really to the last maybe 15 minutes of this that I found anything worth laughing at at all. Uh, Jason Bateman has a small role in here as the old school bully. He's all grown up now playing 
basically anytime Jason Bateman plays an asshole, he's playing that character. Okay. Uh, Amy Ryan plays the head CIA agent. Aaron Paul plays Dwayne Johnson's old partner. Uh, uh, and there's a small appearance by Melissa McCarthy towards the end. That's one actually one of the funnier parts of it, as well as a, a, a appearance by Kumail Nunjani, which also always brings anything up that he's in. But don't watch this movie. Watch but something. I watch it. No, go watch. You're going to watch Hunt for the Wilder People again, and you're going to like no. it. Yes, you know I'm. I've got your best interests at heart, Joe. Do you? Uh, another and just to go over quickly because neither like I haven't watched this first one in a while, and the other one I never got a chance to. Banshee season four, the final season of the show Banshee on um, Showtime is out. If you didn't get a chance to watch it, it's super fun, hyper noir, like lots of. Tits, ass, and and violence, big explosions. Can I watch that instead? <laughs> Absolutely, it's one of those. If, it's one of those shows that when someone I tell, tells me they don't like it, I'm like, all right. But people tell me I, they do like it, then we talk about it for like an hour. We're okay. like, yeah, what about that one part where that shit blew up? And well, I haven't seen anywhere. any of it, Chris. Well, it's fun, and it finally Jesus. came to an end with season four, which is a sad, a shorter season, satisfying ending that kind of starts with a weirdly. Twin Peaks type theme where one of the main characters who wasn't in any real danger before at the end of the last season is like, oh yeah, she died. So Oops. now this whole season is the hunt for the killer. Oh man. And also the trying to free one of their best friends from imprisonment at a, you know, top of the line black Ban- ops. Banshee place? Type, no, not Banshee place. Okay. Government place. Oh. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's Banshee season four. That is out now on Blu-ray or digital and is, you know, just pick up the whole Banshee series. It's really fun. Uh, the other thing is South Park season 19 did not get to watch it. Mm-hmm. I heard that it is uh, like the only season that the, the, the season to the most has one long continuing story in it. Okay. But I was really turned off by the first episode, which was a, like a, a very, Oh, isn't PC stupid mm. episode. I was like, Oh, for fuck's sakes. And kind of getting a little annoyed with Trey and Matt's white guy, holier than thou libertarian attitude. Well, on didn't stuff. they already do PC is stupid like a bunch of times. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, kind of so. like, guys, I think you're kind of... <laughs> you made that point. You put your dicks in the dirt already several times on that one. I don't know. I, I've had several people tell me this actually is one of the better seasons of South Park, season 19. So okay. I think it's probably worth looking into if you're a South Park fan. But I have not watched it. I cannot comment. I apologize for that. I just ran out of time. Uh, but we now get to the final thing of the week, what we call... The, the giveaway. No. Yep. No. Called it. No. I'm going to lick this right now. Hold you on. cannot do I'm that. No. Oh, he actually uh, put uh, it in his mouth. Mm-mm, Bowie. All right. I'll just soak that in bleach first. That is the brand new Blu-ray special 30th anniversary. Oh, Jesus. I'm old. Yeah, you are. 30th anniversary <laughs> edition of Labyrinth. Uh, that is, of course, the legendary depending on how you think about it. Mm. Jim Henson directed film starring uh, Jennifer Connelly, one of her first films, although I believe her first like major release film was a Dario Argento film. Oh, all right. uh, phenomen- phenomena? Phenomena. Phenome or something like that. I can't remember. The American version was called Creepers. But Labyrinth was when I first discovered her and totally fell in love with her and her mm. giant eyebrows. I'm sprunged out. Yeah. Uh, as well she was as, like a pretty Phoebe Cates. <laughs> <laughs> Phoebe Cates was pretty. What are you talking about? <laughs> maybe maybe the uh, Judge Reinhold dreaming in the bathroom scene wasn't as uh, didn't get shown to you at the right time. And no, I just took a, a pot shot and it worked. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, this is like I mean, 
Jim Henson, fantasy, comedy, Brian Froud, creature designs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just gorgeous. Yeah. Um, there's some reason I know people, I know plenty of people who are like, I don't understand why any of you like Labyrinth, who, who think it's a terrible, terrible movie. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. I don't see that perspective at all. That's like when people try to talk shit about the fifth element to me. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> How do you not see why this is a really fun, awesome movie? Yeah, it's, movie? Not, it's not even like, ah, I see how somebody can like it. It's like, oh. I just, don't see. This must be filled with darkness inside. I don't get yeah, like, you're, are you just too cynical for this? I don't know. For fuck's sake, this isn't Dark Crystal, man. I mean, maybe you had to grow be grow up with both the Muppets and Monty Python, of which this feels like almost a smash-up of those two, like inspirations you know mm-hmm. than people from both who work on it but i love this thing and the brand new edition of course is uh got a brand new dolby atmos track on it a- as well as a new brand new picture presentation for it uh using the original 35 millimeter camera negative as the source which scanned and restored at 4k resolution which obviously is going to make it significantly better um and then of course that's not all you get uh, new supplemental materials, including an audio commentary with creature designer and, you know, just designer as well, the whole thing, Brian Froud. Uh, there's reordering time, looking back at Labyrinth with John- Jennifer Connelly, Brian Henson, Lisa Henson, Cheryl Henson. Jesus, he had a lot of kids. Uh, the Center for Puppetry Arts, Vincent Anthony, and J- and then Jim Henson and Vincent Clips, looking back on the film and experiences on set making the film and what have you. There's a, the Henson legacy, uh, a lot of the same people, including Vincent, uh, vintage Henson clips uh, that look at, you know, the history of his work. Uh, there's Remembering the Goblin King. Hey, it's the first ever David Bowie retrospective you can get as a bonus feature on a Blu-ray. <laughs> so, so there you go there. Um, there's an anniversary Q&A with Adam Savage moderating uh, a thing with Brian Henson, uh, Karen Prell, David Goltz, and uh, Sherry Weiser, who was one of the actresses. The rest were pu- uh, puppeteers talking about Labyrinth. Uh, and then there's a Several of the things that came from previous, uh, ver- you know, uh, like talking about the Bowie, you know, uh, the, the man with the baby and all that other horseshit, you know, like there was, there's plenty of fine Bowie songs, but the, the Bowie songs that he did inspired by this movie were actually fucking fantastic. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I love the songs all on here, even though they're definitely Bowie for kids, Yeah, but they're great <laughs> Bowie songs mm-hmm. nonetheless. Uh, but yeah, like the whole period of what he was doing around here was really fun. And he's fun. He's so charismatic in this yeah. thing, despite his like massive bulge. You know, <laughs> the guy is like clearly hung like, was hung like a horse. Well, he couldn't help his bulge. He's wearing tights and that thing is like, I remember I saw Master Pancake do a parody of this, like, mm-hmm. you know, their, their thing when they're doing their mystery science theater of it. And, uh, John Erler comes out on stage, you know, just like David Bowie, except he's got like, I don't know what. Like, it was, like, a foot-long something in his pants. And it was, like, yeah, pretty much. You're, like, yeah, that's not too far off from David David Bowie's groin bulge in this film, which people have – I've had women describe to me that as much as Phoebe Cates running through Judge Reinhold's memories uh, or or, uh, uh, imagination in Fast Times Urge on High was a uh, balls-dropping experience for me – Seeing David Bowie in these tights was a uh, you know similar experience. Yeah, for yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> so an egg popper. Yeah, exactly. I guess so. <laughs> I don't know what the equivalent <laughs> term is. <laughs> uh, <fallopin. laughs> uh I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not even. I'm, I'll say something wrong and piss someone else yeah, off you by will. accident, not meaning to. Anyway, this is great. It's a, just about as solid of a re-release as we're ever going to get of Labyrinth. If you love this movie, this is the best copy of it that's probably going to be made. Um, and we're giving away a copy of it. Which you can get by tweeting it at oneofus.net, hashtag labyrinth giveaway. This challenge that Joe is about to say. Oh, Jesus. I'm blindsided by that one. What You you say that every week. All right, best Bowie song. I'm not even going to go funny this time. No? Yeah, just best Bowie song. But does it have to be your actual Bowie song? Can yes. Be something yeah, that no, no. Up? It's got to be, be a, Bowie. a real Bowie well, song. Well, he, he was so wackadoo. Like, like, best Bowie song that's not on one of the changes albums. Yeah, or station to station. No, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Station yeah. to station is fair game. <laughs> yeah, if it's if it's not on changes one or two, you can name it. But none of that obvious, like John, I'm only dancing or something. Right, like right, that. right. You right, can't right. Pay, or the space oddity. You yeah, can't, you can't pick that stuff. It's too clear. Come on, people. All right, that brings us to the end of this week's show. I would like to thank Joe again for sitting and being patient with me while watching all these discs as usual because the You're man welcome. is busy. And seriously, if you have a, a software job that pays like. 100, 150 grand a year. Here's your man right here to hire. You do it. Yeah. You're, this is your guy. He's good at what he does and is seriously underpaid considering. No, that's a fair statement. Yeah. And, and I'm even CIA. Are you listening? This is your guy. Yeah, I can keep secrets. Yeah. Except for the ones that I've told on this podcast. Yeah, obviously. But nobody listens to yeah, this anyway. Yeah, it's for play. So. 